You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. Well, it's good to be here, isn't it? At Life Melbourne. And, uh, you know, we went to the rugby football last night to cheer on North Melbourne. And uh, my first AFL game live. So it was pretty exciting with um, Craig and Zion and my son Samuel was there. And we got across and we won. And I think it was completely because of Zion's cheering that got us across the line. He just never gave up from the start to the end. He just shouted the whole time. Um, people behind him told him to sit down. He refused and just kept on going. We had people moving because, like, we cleared a whole area. That's how much we were shouting. And, uh, but it was awesome. And uh, I think this is the land of milk and honey. And uh, I pray that North Melbourne gets up and wins. And if it's not your team, well, it's not even our team, is it? We, we go for the Sydney Swans. And um, yes, good. But we actually, we're actually all black supporters, so um, it's, it's hard to, uh, once you're a Kiwi, there's no hope. And, uh, but it is the greatest sporting team in the world, so anyway. We'll just move past that. Craig and Nadia, aren't they the best people in the whole world? Aren't you blessed to have them? Honestly, I love, I love your pastors and, uh, of course, Paul and Marie as well, just sensational people who really have blessed our lives in incredible ways. And, you know, um, it's good to have friends in ministry. And, and certainly Craig and Nadia, Paul and Marie are certainly that too. Me and Janine and to our boys as well, Sam. And uh, Johnny, I've been really blessed to be, have that connection. Um, I wanted to talk to you on a, a, a subject called uh, the Upward Call. And, uh, and if we're, we're going to read from Philippians uh, 3 and 13. I think it's on the screen even. It says, uh, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting which is behind, straining forward to which is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that Paul would write this thing um, about, the, about the, uh, an upward call. And, uh, you know, in, in life, we can do many things in our world, and that, none of these things are bad. In New Zealand, we've got this thing called the Kiwi Dream. I think Australia would have something similar to that, where you would have a, uh, a house, a white picket fence, you know, uh, couple of children, driver Holden. Um, uh, if, you, if you had these things, you, it would be a, a level of success. And um, of course, there's nothing wrong with success. But probably the lowest point I think of any Christian's life is to turn up every week just for a salary. You know, like just to, to, just to go to work, just to gain finance. I mean, surely that's a pretty... I mean, it's an understandable thing to do. That's what, you know, if you don't work, you don't get paid. That's what the Bible says. No work, no pay. But maybe there's a greater purpose in our work. Maybe that God has called us to, to go to our work to be a, a light and to, to tell people about the things of God and to, to shine that light. Paul says, um, there's one thing that I do, which kind of touches on our topic of, you know, one purpose and the, the series that we're going through, you know, when Paul were to say that, uh, kind of means that he's uh, focused about his life, isn't it? To, to live a life of focus. And as, as Christians, that's what we're talking about. If, if you're new to church today, just let me just ex- ex- excuse yourself a, a little bit. But, but what I'm, I'm talking to church people who believe that God is the center of our lives. Yeah. 
And when that is true, what Paul is saying is that we need to have focus. And, and, and to bring it back a step, I guess in a practical way, is to think about our life. Just to think about it. To think about what we're doing, the choices that we're making. Me and Sam were up early this morning and just lying in bed. Just, and I was just saying to Sam, you know, life is about choices. Just a series of choices. And if you make good choices, isn't it true? Things normally go okay for you. But you can make some really bad choices and all of a sudden, it's hard. If you do drugs, if you, you know, buy a house in a, in a flooded area, like, you know, it's like, things tough. But if you make good choices, you know, practical things, sometimes things, but it's the same in God. You know, um, Albert Einstein said, Thinking is hard work, that's why so few do it. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? That, you know, one of the greatest brains of all time says, you know, thinking is hard, hard work, that's why so few do it. Yeah. But, you know, just to let things just be coincidental or just to live, live your life on a whim from day to day, but not actually thinking about your life, not to pause, not to prioritize, not to... Think, what is really super duper important? You know, uh, Adolf Hitler said, what luck for rulers that men do not think. Wow. You know, and for him to say that, I mean, gee, that's a little bit awkward, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, Adolf Hitler, I mean, on the definition of leadership, like a leader, he's, he's doing okay. I mean, he was a bit crazy, right? Under estimation. But for him to say, Listen to it. What luck for rulers that people don't think. Outrageous. Can, can you hear the devil in that? Can, can you hear him like saying, what luck for me that the church doesn't think. How easily led, how easily, hello, distracted we are from the high calling that God has got us. We're so worried about football. We're so worried about what car we're going to buy or what this and that, the next thing. All of them okay. But the high calling must be the things of God, must be the thing that God has actually called us to do. But we're so easily distracted. We're not thinking about like Paul says, there's one thing I do. You know, and he's saying, I'm purposefully putting myself in that place, saying, you know what, I'm about dad's business. Sure, he might have a nice donkey, <laughs> good house, but he's saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm about something else as well. You know, I, I like it. He says, you know, what he's saying, he says, one thing I do, forget which is behind. You know, and, and this is a big statement for Paul, wouldn't you think? Because before Paul was Paul, he was called Saul. That was awkward. Do you remember what Saul used to do? Like, actually, God gave him a name change, actually changed his name. And um, when the stoning of Stephen was happening in, in the book of Acts, Saul was the guy in charge. So when the rocks were being thrown at St Stephen, one of the, the early disciples, uh, he was saying, good job, well done, oh, you missed, have another go. He was the guy who went down and picked up Stephen's head just to make sure he was dead. Yeah, he's dead. Let's move on. That was the guy. Yeah. 
right? So he was in charge of persecuting the church. And he thought he was kind of doing it for God in some kind of religious way. So complicated. And then, so he's riding his donkey. Boom, flash of light. That's what happened. Boom, got knocked off his donkey. And, And God spoke to him and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Listen to the answer. He doesn't have one. People do things and they don't know why they're doing them. People are doing, you are doing things, but you don't know why you are doing them. You're just doing them out of, out of habit, maybe good habits or bad habits, or I don't know. But oftentimes we're just doing stuff. Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul's like, no answer. So here's a, what we call like a, a burning bush moment, a flash of light, an encounter with God. He becomes a Christian, smart idea. He's blind for three days. That would make anybody become a Christian. Sometimes God gets, has to get your attention because your focus has been wrong. So he said, change your focus. He made him blind so he could change his focus. Another, another message completely. And so gets a name change. He says, no, you're Paul. Now, people are the same pretty much wherever you go. Could you imagine 2,000 years ago, one of the first prayer meetings? Come on. And we're just, we're just the same. Saul now walks in, the same person, but with a name change to the prayer meeting because he's a Christian. He belongs in the prayer meeting, right? So they've got the romantic music happening. Everybody's praying. And then an older lady, she begins to cry. The mothers of the church gather around her. It's all right. It's all right. A young man stands up in the prayer meeting. What's he doing here? Stephen's mum. Stephen's brother. Other people he had persecuted, seen whipped, put in stocks. Other people, other Christians, family members. And all of a sudden, Saul, who's now Paul, say, oh, man, guys, I don't... I don't belong here. I need to start my own prayer meeting. Could you imagine the boys gathering around him saying, it's okay. He remembers your sin no more. You see, unless you can forget your past, you won't reach into your future. God's not looking at all your faults. That's the good thing about Easter is Jesus died that... so that you can have a relationship with him and he covers your sin so you can walk into this, this brand new day. But would that feeling be, be rolling around in his head a little bit? I think it would be. I, some of my mistakes, I was saying to Sam, no, I haven't made all the right choices. Sam asked me, he said, well, what bad choices have you made? I was kind of like too embarrassed to tell him. But the list would be so many, but God doesn't see any of them. When you're, when you're a Christian, it's like you're, you're just covered by, by, by it all. This is one thing I do, I forget what's behind me, but I reach forward to what's ahead. And reaching forward is a great thing. To, to, to become a great church, we have to fulfill that great commission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. In other words, to, to share our faith. And to become a great church is not, not life. It's not, it's not this. It's not here. It's here. <laughs> it's us. It's way, it's way more personal 
than what we're thinking. To become great in God's eyes, we have to tell people about God. You know, uh, I've set goals in my life, you know, and, and especially in the early days, because we all need reminders. One of the things that I try to do is tell somebody about Jesus every day. Because if you don't set a goal, you won't reach a goal. And that's just one-on-one business. Set goals. <laughs> Write it down. I remember early on in Sydney when me and Janine just arrived. And I would go to Manly Beach and we'd just, I'd just pray up and down the boardwalk. And that was really great. And, uh, and I was up quite early, maybe about 6 o'clock. And the sun was just coming up in winter time, and and I just said, God, who is it? You know, like have, who, who can I witness to? And there's hardly anybody walking, but there's an elderly gentleman, and he was on, on crutches. And I said, he's going to have to do. But it took a little while for him to catch up with me, so we're kind of like just awkwardly walking sideways. You know what I mean? So we could got to get there quicker. And um, and I just said, Hi, how you doing? And he goes, Good. And I said, Beautiful day. And he goes, Yeah, great. And uh, we just, uh, I said, can I walk with you? And he goes, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And so we're walking. And he says, what do you do? And I said, well, uh, you know, can I help people? I said, well, you know, what do you do? And he says, I'm kind of retired. And I said, oh, that's good. And uh, I said, well, you know, he said, what do you help people with? And I said, you know, find God. And he says, I do the same. And I said, man, that's good. And uh, he is the head Mormon uh, of our whole city. He's like the Pope of the Mormon church. And, uh, and he said, let's sit on this park bench and talk about spiritual things. I thought, perfect. So I had my little pocket Bible, and he had his. <laughs> and, and we're just at it, you know, bum, 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 bum. And, you know, I'm telling you, he knew stuff. He was good. Like, it was 50, I almost became a Mormon. That's what I'm telling you. I'm just like, it's not, he was good at his thing. So I, it's three hours at it. Like, it's not like we're just having a little time. We're like, bam, we're just deep into the stuff and um so we've got to i've got to get going so we're walking back to my car and he says anyway andrew he said if your god is real why doesn't he heal the arthritis in my knees and i said well have you ever asked my god to heal your arthritis in your knees and he goes no and i said well that's a little bit awkward isn't it (laughs) it's like cuckoo it's like (laughs) yes so i said well uh, should we ask my God to heal your arthritis and your knees? And he goes, right here now. And I said, sure, we'll keep our eyes open so people think we're normal. <laughs> he said, that'll be great. Now, there would be a thousand people walking up and down that boardwalk now. The place is packed. Like, like nine o'clock in the morning, ten o'clock. It's like, it's like a Grand Central Station. I got down on my knees and I grabbed those knobbly little suckers. And I just prayed and I said, God, you know, for your name, for your glory, make yourself known to him. Do you know that God wants you to win? Way more than you give him credit for. He's actually, the Bible says he's for you. I like it when you got God for you. It's like, you know, you're you're playing the sons, but God's for you. You're pretty much going to win. I mean, that's why we know the all blacks are so awesome because God is... (laughs) for us <laughs> what anyway some of you <laughs> don't, don't, some of you like mm. <laughs> just anyways 
So he said, you know what? I said, listen, I took a risk. You can take a risk. Come write my personal house down, my address down. I said, come get all your checkups and then come and talk to me if something good happened. So anyway, two weeks later, I was, me and Janine were away in London, but our border said that an elderly gentleman came, knocked on the door, said I wanted, wanted Pastor Andrew to know that God's real, because God's real, because I've got no pain in my knees anymore, and I just wanted to let him know. No, I don't know if he got born again again. I don't know if he said this in his prayer. But it's good that he knows. You know, not, not all the time we lead everybody to the Lord, but all the time we should be sowing. All the time we should be telling, giving God an opportunity to, to let people know that he's real and he's big. And those two facts change everything. You know, I, I like this passage. Uh, and in Luke 16 and verse 19, and I, I'm not sure if I'm going to read it actually because it's, we can put it on the screen and just go through it as I, I, I talk about it. But even before, even before I, 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 I'm reading this, let me just preference this by saying I am going to mention the word hell, okay? So, but I'm not going to talk about it a long time. We're going to dip into heaven and talk about that a lot more, okay? But... Because some people say, oh, he mentioned hell. It's, like, it's awkward, isn't it? But, but we're Christians. So the idea is we don't want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven, right? <laughs> and and we're, all, we're all going that way, so we've got nothing to worry about, okay? So just breathe, just say, it's going to be okay. But I just wanted to give a little bit of warning, because if I mention the word, you go, <laughs> it's, like, it's going to be okay. Or you can dip in and then dip out, okay? So, but it's an interesting story. If you've got your Bible, so if you're a Christian, you could turn to it and you would see that before, nobody's turning, okay, but before, before in Luke 15, you'd have the parable of the lost son, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the great banquet, the parable, 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 and then there's no parable. This is not a parable. And a parable is to illustrate a point. It's not a true story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's like a little make-believe, Humpty Dumpty, you know, something like that. It's like, but this is a story that happened. So it puts a little bit more emphasis on the story. Yeah. So parable, parable, parable. Then Jesus dump, jumps, just jumps into this little story of a rich man named Lazarus, uh, uh, a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus, a beggar. Unfortunately, the, the rich man lived in luxury every single day and the beggar was covered with sores, long to eat well from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and looked at the sores. I am going to read it. Verse 22. Then the time came and the beggar died. That's unfortunate. And the angels, which would be nice, I'm sure many angels will carry me, to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades or hell, and he was in torment. He looked up, which is an interesting thought, and he saw Abraham far away with, with Lazarus by the side. He was the poor man. So he called out to Father Abraham, have pity on me, and sent Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this place of fire. Abraham replied, which is interesting, they're having a little conversation. 
Remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now you're comforted and he's in agony. Uh, uh, he's comforted and you're in agony. And besides all of this, get this, between us a great chasm has been set between us. That sin, sin separates us between us and God. So those who want to go from there to here cannot, nor anyone cross over from here to us. Then he answered, I beg you, Father, listen to this, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers, how many? Five. Let them warn them so they don't go to this place of torment. Abram replied, paraphrased, if they do not listen to Pastor Paul, Craig, or Andrew. They won't listen even if the prophets come. No, Father Abraham, but if you send somebody from the dead, shut the gate, from the dead, then they will repent. He said, if they do not listen to Andrew, Pastor Paul, Craig, or Nadia, they will not be convinced even if somebody is raised from the dead. Okay, there we go. So, interesting thing. So, here we go. We got, now, did, did you read and hear that one particular lot was a Christian? And the other guy wasn't, like the poor man or the rich man were Christians. Did you read anywhere in there? So when you look at the context, when I've, when I've read all through the commentaries, when I've looked at the Hebrew and all, the, all those cool stuff, the, the, everybody comes to the conclusion, same conclusion. This is the conclusion. The rich man had the ability every day to help him, but he refused. That should scare the bejeebus out of you just right then. Yeah. Like, so the rich man, he didn't do anything wrong, didn't say he was committing adultery, didn't say that he was um, swearing, um, he didn't say that he was on drugs, didn't say that he didn't go to church, didn't say, and, and, and the same about the poor man, didn't say that he was a bad, bad person or a good person, it just said there are two groups of people, a beggar and a rich man, and the rich man had everything. Lived in luxury every single day. And did nothing. Wow. Mm -hmm. wow. mm. I think about that. Because that's an interesting kind of thing. But anyway, unfortunately, you know, so we'll just talk about this. One guy ends up in heaven, which is good for him, Lazarus. And he's sorted. But this guy is not there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And imagine, imagine, imagine you could have got there, but you didn't. Wow. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that hell is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Or, and the gnashing is, is the grinding of teeth or regret. It's the regret. Oh, I wish. I wish I had have done. I wish I had have. I, have you ever gossiped and been caught out? Well, rhetorical question. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. No, you, you know what I'm saying. When you, 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 you're talking about somebody else and you're just liking it and you just pull you just, things that aren't even true, you know, you, oh, I feel like that. Add to the story. And it's like, oh, it feels, it feels so good for, oh, yeah, yeah. And you're just feeling good about it. And then you get caught out. Come on, somebody. Oh, no, you're all innocent. I can tell you. Life has never, ever done anything like that. You know where liars go? Life church. We're all forgiven. Amen. Anyway, another story. But it is a funny feeling to be caught out on something. 
And that feeling of, mm, man, I just wish the world would swallow me up because I'm such an idiot. Just going, oh, damn, I don't know why I said that or did that. Felt good at the time. But just imagine being in heaven, in hell, and looking into heaven forever, which is actually longer than you think. And you could have got there. But you didn't because of your pride, because of your selfishness, perhaps, because of a thousand different things. I don't know what it could be. I don't know what it could be. But imagine, just imagine, like, forget the flames and I don't know what else is happening down there. I don't know. But imagine knowing that you could have peace and be with God forever and ever and ever and you could have and you didn't that would be awful you know the bible says there it says many will come to me on that day you know this verse it says do we not prophesy in your name drive out demons in your name perform many miracles in your name and he says depart from me i never knew you well i just think that's a bad verse because he's who's he talking about he's talking about the superstars of christianity Performing many miracles, driving out demons. But these, these, are, these are people we, we would go to life conference and hear them speak. We would buy their books. We would watch them on Christian TV. These are, these are people doing great exploits for God. And, you know, and imagine working for God all your life and then not getting in. That's awkward. That doesn't sound right. But how, but, but how would this even happen? You see... You see, you can, you can become a Christian. I believe you can pray that prayer and, and have the sense of God in your life. And then we all know that as we journey, we, we become strong and, and maybe the gifts of God become available in our life and, and we find purpose. And so the young evangelist goes out, he starts praying for people and the gift kicks in and he starts praying and people get saved and healed and things go good and he becomes popular, his book becomes bestseller in the New York Times and money comes around his life and all sorts of things and he just starts doing it out of gift. Starts doing it. The Bible says that the gift of God is irrevocable. So no matter how you're living, the gift is still going to work. God doesn't give you something and then take it away. But then all of a sudden you're doing, 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 doing. The busyness of life consumes you. Then you die and God says, hey, listen, <laughs> I don't know who that was. I said, God, what? how come you're talking about Pentecostal churches? Because that's who he's talking about. Those other churches, I'm not praying for the sick or driving out demons. He's talking about us, Life Church. He's, he's talking about C3 church. He's talking about Hillsong. He's talking about these guys kind of thing. I said, God, why you, I'm, I'm, I'm puzzled why you'd put that in the Bible. It's annoying. <laughs> I felt like the Lord saying, Andrew, because I want to set the benchmark so high. So when people say, don't you understand, Lord? I was the big giver in church. I helped raise money for the, for the seats, or uh, I was an elder in church. I was a, 
I, I did this in church. I did all this religious duty. You see, God doesn't care about your duty, what you're doing. He cares about your relationship with Him. And out of relationship comes our works. But the first thing is our attachment to God. Mm. That would just... Let's, let's get to heaven. <laughs> oh, man, I told you. He was better on this side already. I mean, that's awkward, isn't it? So we're in heaven. And by the way, I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, certainly I've heard there are streets of gold, which would be brilliant. And I'm going to bring my own little hammer and just put some in, just in case there's something after heaven, who knows. And uh, <laughs> I might not get in after all. And, um, but we do know, Craig, there's houses. That is in the Bible. There's many rooms for us. That's what it says. And I'm pretty excited about that because I reckon, you know, and it'll be a good house. And we know for sure, Andrew, that there is a day spa there. No, it's true. Because there's steam rooms in every house from below. All you do is just open this little steam comes from below and you just, and you just a little steam. Anyway, some of you haven't got that. Anyway, it's from hell. It's a steam room. Yeah, so hell. From hell. From hell. It's a steam room. Anyway. Some of you go. But there are angels there, and I particularly like angels, and I cannot wait to see one. Because that would be something, won't it? When you see an angel, go, that's an angel. And we'll go, that's pretty cool. Now, imagine if we got there, okay? So we're in heaven, which is, by the way, the point of everything we're doing. And we're here. Now, but if we were to come to heaven, and if it was true that they could see up and we could see down, if that, if that had some truth to it, still we wouldn't be the ones... We, still, we would be the ones weeping and gnashing our teeth. You know why? Because we would see friends. Family members. Colleagues that we sat beside every, every single day. Having, as it were, the thing that could save their soul. Having the knowledge the ability to tell them about God, but selfishly keeping it to ourselves. Saying, well, no, it's Pastor Craig. Not his job. They were the pastors. But yet knowing that we are the hands and feet. We're the people that God put it in. If that were true, we would, we would be the ones weeping as we hear our families tell us, why didn't you call out? Why didn't you tell us? Why weren't you honest with me? Friends, it's not that we don't love our parents. That's not, that's not it. It's not that we don't love our friends. That's not it. Is it because of focus? Is it because what Adolf Hitler said was true about us? That what luck for the devil is that we're not thinking about eternity. What luck for rulers that men do not think because if we're thinking about the things of God, then we would shape up a little bit. Yeah. We would be purposeful. Not crazy, but purposeful. Yeah. Having the yeah. one purpose in our life, saying, yes, we are Christians. We need to tell them. The fight for souls is raging on now more than ever. By His mercy, He must have a one-way mirror. 
that truly those who are in hell can see up. But then when we get to heaven, somehow we can just see a reflection. Because honestly, I don't know how I would go if I saw friends and family that I could have but didn't. You know, when I was first preparing this thought, when I saw this thought, for, for me, I was diagnosed with leukemia, my story, from the age of 13 to 18, and diagnosed to be terminal. My youth pastors prayed for me, God healed me. Became a Christian halfway through that, and that was a good moment. When I was 19, I went to Bible college. When I was 20, I was a youth pastor. And then my story goes on and on. When I was preparing this thought, this message, I was stirred with evangelism. Because when you come close to death, you realize there's actually only a few things that really count in life. Who's coming with you is really up there. So I remember thinking in my, as my sermon preparation, I was in my bedroom. And I said to God, God, could you do a miracle? It says in here that nobody's going to be raised from the dead. They won't believe even if somebody's raised from the dead. But I said, God, if a miracle happened in service, they'd believe. If somebody was to have cancer on their neck and everybody saw the, the tumor disappear, they'd believe. If somebody was, was in crutches and, and, the, and, the, and God, you healed them and they could walk without pain, they would believe it. I remember, and it may sound odd, but... As an enthusiastic young preacher, I said, God, if somebody was to die in service, and I said, through your Holy Spirit, if we could lay hands on them, and they would come to life. He says, they won't believe if somebody's raised from the dead, but I said, maybe we could just prove that wrong, because I reckon that would be kind of cool. If somebody got raised from the dead, maybe that would shake the church out of their apathy. Maybe that would shake the church out of their religiousness, and they'd believe that you are real. As I was praying for that, a cloud, like a mist, came into my room. And uh, it was a pretty amazing experience. And I, I was on my knees at the end of my bed, and I just was crying. And um, I was just praying, God, please raise somebody from the dead. Please raise somebody from the dead. That was my prayer for about 20 minutes. And I felt like the Lord said to me, Andrew, I have raised somebody from the dead. And um, for the next maybe 15 minutes, I said, God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Easter. That you raised Jesus from the dead. And the Lord spoke to me in the clearest way he knew, like a, like a loud voice. And he said, no, Andrew, I've raised you from the dead. You tell them. And I feel destiny here. Four times I was diagnosed to be terminal. Four times Christians prayed for me and God raised me from that moment when everybody else gave up on me. You see, friends, we don't come back as a cat or a dog. Do you know what I'm saying? This is our one shot. This is it. Like houses and cars and skiing and watching football, all good. But this is it. This is it. Heaven is it. This, this is the goal, by the way. And then bringing everybody we know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tough crowd. Hello, bringing everybody we know yeah. over here. Not 
And listen, I don't go around telling people about hell. But hell is motivating me. I'm telling them about the love of God. How he wants to forgive you of your wrongs. He's got good things, purpose. In the hardest moments, he can walk with you and through you and, and do all this. I'm not preaching hell. I'm telling people about the goodness of God. But today, when I'm talking to you about the one purpose, I'm telling you now, this moment here is motivating me, pushing me, dragging people out. Why do I travel 48 weekends a year around the world telling people, telling people, telling people because I can't think, I can't, I can't imagine what it would be like Somebody, if I could have, if I could have pulled another hundred more, a thousand more. I feel sad. The last 10 years, we've seen 50,000 people come to Christ in Sunday services. But I feel depressed about it because I think it needs to be 500,000. God, give me bigger opportunities, bigger moments. God, why am I... God, get me on television around the world. Get me on internet. Get me an opera. Everybody has to know. Do you think that Jesus would think that? So much so he would die on a cross for us. That's how important he thought it was. Just saying. Talk about focus. There we go. It's like, hey, nothing higher than this. My life. You know, my mum and dad are the most beautiful people in the world. One of the worship team could join me. I love my mum and dad. I was brought up Catholic, quiet church. When I first got saved, I told my dad that the Pope was the Antichrist. <laughs> that didn't go so good. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> that he had 666 under his hat. That worshipping Mary was idolatry. And that didn't go too good. It's called wisdom, friends. Wisdom. You need to pastor your family. Everybody's been hurt by somebody. You just can't go through life without your sister crashing a car and then she's not paying for it or your brother stealing your girlfriend or, you know, or your dad saying something that you thought was wrong or... Maybe he hit you accidentally. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what grief we have. But friend, there's actually a higher calling than your grief. It's, it's this place. What, what's the price for the soul? Do you have to forgive somebody that doesn't deserve to be forgiven? Hey, guess what? That's what Jesus did for us. We don't deserve to be forgiven, but we forgive. I told my dad. Um, my dad had crippling arthritis, and I was traveling with a friend. And um, so we're, we're good now. Like me and dad, we're good. We're sweet. I love my dad. And um, but it's, he's still in Catholic church. And my dad said to me, "Hey, um, you know, I've got this arthritis. I can't eat." My friend says, "Mr. Kabbalah, we should pray for you." No problem. God heals people. And Andrew prays for people with arthritis all the time and they get healed. 
I'm kicking my friend under the table. He's like, he doesn't get the hand on and on and on. He goes, so I'm kind of embarrassed now. I said hi to my dad. We should pray for you. He goes, yeah, okay. It's like a miracle. A miracle that that would happen. So I was standing in their family living room, just me, dad, mum, and my friend. And I said, God, you know, like, I'm praying for him. Like, God, heal him. Who knows there's always two prayers you pray? The inward prayer, that's like the nice religious prayer, God, touch his life. But the, the, the outward prayer is like that. But the inward prayer is like, God, hurry up. This is dead. Like, send a lightning bolt. An angel, even a feather would do. Just touch my dad. You know, after we came back, it was like a family reunion. There's quite a few people there. And Sam and Johnny were just little. And uh, Sam, dad, my dad was about to say grace. And he says, oh, listen, it's good to have everybody, you know, back. And Andrew and Janine, the boys are over from Sydney. And he said, listen, just want you to know, Andrew, that I went to the doctor the other day to get my arthritis checked out. But I told the doctor I don't, don't need any more steroid injections that uh, when you prayed for me, God healed me. And so he's saying this in front of the whole family. And I'm, I'm the first time I've heard, so I'm having my little cup of tea. And I'm going... <laughs> and, uh, and he says, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's, that's really great. And he said, you know, there's some grandchildren here and you've got asthma and a few other things. He said, let Andrew have his dinner. And, um, but after dinner, could, Andrew, could you pray for the kids? And I'm like, what? Is this my dad? But it's interesting how God begins to move in people. Dad's shaking the newspaper the other day, and he says to me, he says, son, am I a Christian? It's like a trick question, isn't it? Because, well, could be. I said, well, Dad, what's a Christian? He said, it's somebody who believes in God. And I said, well, I said, the Bible says even the devil believes in God, but trembles at his name. I said, belief's not enough. I said, somebody who's a Christian has asked Jesus to come into their life. Is no longer just living solely for their purpose, but is actually living for Him, His purpose. Focus, friends. I said, that's what a Christian is. He goes, oh, shakes the paper. And we begin to begin. But you know what, God? God's a great fisherman. <laughs> it's our job to put the bait in. Our job to love. Our job to just keep on asking, inviting people. Our job, just focus, focus, focus. My dream is that all of my family, extended family, and their extended family, and their extended family, that the only way I can think about it, have to get on this side. And at the moment, I'm the guy. So I ring up and say, happy birthday. I'm the one who sends a card. I'm the one. I'm, and if they don't do it to me, don't be grumpy, Smurf. There's a purpose for it. There's a purpose. We've got to get them on the side. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. That anyone would perish. And Jesus said it when He says, I have sent my only Son, that whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you enjoyed this podcast from life if you have questions or want to contact someone about this message visit lifenz.org